Hi, hi, hi and welcome to episode 5 of the How Employable Are You podcast with Nikhil and Meryl. First things first, major thanks to you for following our journey up until this point. Your support and your feedback means the absolute world to us. In today's episode, we wanted to talk to you about something that has been the rage on LinkedIn, coffee table conversations and sometimes even our nightmares. It is this term that we've all heard everywhere, quiet quitting. So Nikhil, first off, do you want to give us a bite-sized perspective on quiet quitting? What exactly is this term? Sure. I mean, I have three points to communicate and I want to bring everyone to the context of what uh-huh. we've been discussing, right? First thing, quiet quitting actually doesn't mean you're quitting your actual job. It's basically having a hard boundaries to what is work and what is life. Let's say if your work ends at six, you'll stop responding to all emails, all messages from the workplace, and you will only take back right at the next day morning at let's say nine or 10, whenever your work starts. So having that kind of a quick boundaries of what you do, that's that's exactly what we call mm-hmm. quiet quitting. And I want to also mention two more things of what supports this quiet quitting or what kind of uh, creates this kind of quiet quitting, right? The first thing is basically kind of having this kind of a purpose gap, right? Like when you work in an organization, of course, you're going to make money, right? That's the primary motive. But what else is more than that, right? Having that kind of a relation with whom you're working with, right? That's what we call it as a purpose gap. We have already discussed this about in our first episode. If you haven't, go back and listen to it, right? And this purpose gap, you can directly see the correlation that happening to that uh, whole great resignation space, right? Like uh, when people kind of haven't find their purpose, they try to move into a different place. They find find different origins or different domains to work with. And, and the third thing that we feel still relevant might not be directly is the whole emergence of side hustle, right? During lockdown and during this whole pandemic situation, a lot of our primary principles as working with someone only like working exclusively to one company or one uh, team rather than keeping that aside we want to do a lot of things and we want to have side hustles so we make an extra buck and we try to kind of do our passion projects and all of these things right so having this whole purpose gap and kind of uh, side hustles and a kind of keeping hard boundaries all of this combined will give us the whole aspect of quite quitting That is a fairly comprehensive definition and personally for me, I'm a little surprised that this has even become a thing, right? Because it looks like we've all been in this position where, you know, we've held on to jobs or we've done things for the longest time because of, you know, we needed the money or, uh, you know, whatever the reasons were and we haven't really been able to connect to whatever it is that we were doing with a sense of purpose. So... It looks to me like this is a fairly common phenomenon, although rooted in purpose gap, it has somehow been brought to the spotlight owing to the pandemic and owing to this movement which you aptly called as great resignation. And there are two ways I feel you can look at it. Number one is, like you pointed out, the issue of work-life balance. To me, quiet quitting can be seen as a rallying cry to actually change the way we look at work-life balance and to even, you know, redo the culture, to move away from a more mechanical, you know, work, work, work type of a culture into something that allows you to be more human and and do what you love to do. So bring in work-life balance aspect and at the same time, prioritize mental health, right? Because why would anybody quit a job? One of the strongest reasons today is mental health. And if you look at the pandemic, I feel 
the survival mode that we've all been on has radically changed the way we live life, we look at things and we even do our work. So I feel like there's an aspect of survival mode induced by the pandemic that has crept into the workplace situation and I feel has invariably fueled this worldwide trend of quiet quitting. And how exactly do you think we're going to arrive at a solution? So normally this involves just you and me having at it going around in circles pulling out each other's brains <laughs> yeah. and so on but this time we thought we shall take the perspective of someone much wiser and someone who's crossed over from being an employee to the owner of a small business miss yamini reddy who is a good friend of ours and a founder of the outlier which is a young and a happening public relations firm we had a very insightful conversation with her and what you're about to listen to next are a couple of excerpts from this absolutely illuminating eye-opening conversation that we had you're you confined to a specific style of work by a particular job description right versus on the other hand you have a goal given to you like let's say this is what we want to try to do and this is what something we need to achieve and you need to do everything in your hands to kind of make that happen what do you think is making sense in terms of someone who's jumping in and trying for the first time that's like which one would make sense there and i think a mixture of both nickel and i'll tell you why okay sometimes you have individuals who perform beyond their job description or job role hmm. keeping them restricted to that job description job role will actually stint their growth hmm. and then therefore they will hold that grudge against you to say you know what i'm doing so much more i can be doing so much more this is my potential right but i feel like i'm restricted by the number of years of experience versus what i'm actually able to put out right Good. versus you have employees who think they're doing you know a lot and contributing a lot but mm. in real reality and realistically in terms of a benchmark if you had to put them against everyone else in the organization at that same level you can see a clear gap so i this is the approach that i take when somebody comes in for a, an interview a job interview i don't look at their resume i don't ask for their resume i don't look at their resume because what you necessarily studied and did doesn't really tell me who you are and what you want to do mm-hmm. okay um So I focus purely on certain skill sets. One is communication in terms of your ability to speak well, speak clearly, right? Mm-hmm. And two, your strategic thinking, mm-hmm. your tactical thinking, mm-hmm. and then your writing. Those are four assets and skill sets that I look at when evaluating any employee. The fifth, which is the most important for me, is something that you're passionate about. So as part of any assignment that they submit, one whole section is catered to tell me about who you are what makes you tick and what are you passionate about what are you going to do to enable that passion to come to life so a lot of our team members right now all do things apart from just work there are certain set of people we both know who might not be such such a goal oriented person right so doing this kind of an activity and giving them what they need and kind of creating this kind of system where it fits everyone and kind of takes their advantage of skills and style of working and thought process have you seen it having a direct impact on let's say them staying in your company for a little longer or uh, them having this kind of an expanded thought that i need to do a little better some people might just come here 
to make some money not really uh, focused or oriented towards creating some kind of an impact or change and on the other hand of course there will be this kind of entrepreneurial spirited people who want to put that grind and want to make a difference so my point is by doing this work have you seen that kind of a change in in the long run as you go uh, that it it moved towards getting more involved and getting kind of stayed inside the company and giving better results i will tell you one thing we're working with two very different generations as well right mm-hmm. um i would say a lot of my team members are gen z mm-hmm. they are very different in terms of their work ethic their work style a lot of them don't need to work mm-hmm. right so when they do choose to work they want to make sure they're doing something that they enjoy yeah. right and that weighs more than monetary gains that weighs more than designations and growth in the short term surprisingly hmm. they're not really looking at money immediately coming in mm-hmm. but they want to do something that they enjoy doing correct correct okay hmm. that so that's a really interesting work dynamic that we have to work with hmm. and then you have millennials hmm. who've been working for at least 5 years now mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and at this point they're just like you know i just want a job that i'm comfortable in it's paying the bills i see gradual growth and money motivates me correct so finding the balance between the two hmm. you need very different approaches for both you can't just take that same approach and standardize it um and that's something i've learned so regardless of millennial or gen z hmm. um i think the approach that you take with each generation and each individual needs to be different uh, that's a very good approach to follow right given that now we have divergent perspectives on what it means to be an employee today from both the gen z perspective as well as the millennial perspective and it it looks to me that uh you know you are part of a new breed of founders or employers who are encouraging people to you know be more than just an employee at the workspace bring more of your passion you know bring more of your creativity there aren't any hindrances to exploring your passion or you know doing something that only somebody like you could do so i think that's a very interesting change culturally i think which is happening as a parallel movement uh so naturally my next question will come to you from a culture perspective right given that culture is a diverse thing it keeps evolving what are some of the things that you would like to see changed especially given that we in india are a culture that doesn't really put much of an emphasis on taking time out to rest you know what do you think needs to be changed from a cultural oh, perspective oh that's a loaded question meryl <laughs> cuz i have i'm I've a lot of things to say about it. Take your but, time. But <laughs> um so I think it's mm-hmm. a little difficult as well cuz overall as a nation culturally we're evolving at such a rapid pace, right? Access to information, OTT, social media, all of them are changing expectations so drastically. So it will be hard to I would say keep up with those expectations culturally. right 
at the same time it's much easier for and i'll speak mm. as a startup right it's much easier to make change as a startup which is one of the reasons i wanted to start on my own because in a existing organization that has you know over 100 employees when you start making change if it's only reflected in one group and it's not something that can be trickled down or spread across a larger organization it becomes very difficult because then there's there's also a cultural challenge there then right versus over here when it's a smaller team Absolutely, it's more agile yeah. it's young there're a lot more changes that you can make right and ensure that it it translates to every single individual within the organization so startup culture versus corporate culture versus um i would say larger organizational cultures vary take for google for example google while it has pretty much the same policies and the same culture technically globally right each country also is nuanced with our own um uniqueness i would say right and understanding that uniqueness and then accepting it is what's really important but in the end it will come down to your relationship with each individual your team and what you build from there um it's very hard like i said otherwise to keep up with constant changing cultural expectations um at at one hand people are pretty proactive to realize when there is extra work given at them when they're not being compensated really well or uh, if there is an over uh, time work that is being done so let's say when 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 you are in startup when you're working it is it is obvious that people need to spend a little more time and little more effort to make it happen right in the other hand there is whole this work life balance and all of these so when uh, when when you're hiring people or when you're trying to create this kind of a system uh, how do you normalize having the overtime pay if someone is going to be working during the weekends if it is required and what all like incentives that you keep to kind of create an impact and create some kind of value for these people right like i think in the next 2 years overtime pay will be normal it will be expected it will it will become the norm um i think today finding good talent is very difficult so retaining the talent is going to become the topmost priority for most employers um in line with that it is also respecting their time and their effort and their energy right so i do think that overtime pay will become very normal from a values perspective what do you think organizations can you know be a little more sensitive and introduce because right now what i'm seeing is that um there is a chance that a lot of the conversations that we've had about mental health and um you know inclusivity can completely go to not because you feel when you go back to the old normal the old values can come back So what do you think about that what do you think we can do to change that? I think be open to change I think it it needs to it needs to come from everyone right it's not just to say that it's the organization who needs to be open to change I think it's the employees as individuals as across the board I think just being more open minded to say change is inevitable being open to change being vocal about the kind of change they want to see sometimes you may propose change that people are not okay with and voicing it out saying i'm not okay with this change i don't like this is perfectly fine you don't have to like everything you don't have to be a part of everything 
Damon has left us with some really powerful thoughts as to what exactly the whole situation looks like and what we can do. And to me, it appears that we can arrive at a solution or a pool of solutions only if employees and employers listen to each other, understand each other's concern and arrive at some kind of a middle ground. Because what we know as the normal, given that we're very much in the pandemic, uh, the idea of the normal is evolving and every day comes up with a new challenge. What are your thoughts on our conversation, Nikhil? I mean, like, if you think about it, like, quiet quitting is not a person, it's a situation, right? Like someone who had these boundaries and who do want to do very bare minimum work today might move to a different organization or when they know for a fact what they really want, they can do better at the different job or even to the current company, right? So basically having that kind of a understanding I think that's I feel is very relevant. Absolutely. And uh, basically, not to not to like put labels on people saying that this guy works this way, this girl works this way. Kind of having this kind of a deeper exploration that what do you need, what do you want. I have this brief understanding, right? One of the organizations I've worked previously, um, they had this program. Again, it's not a very big, wide program, but the founder told us very clearly that hey, if you want to learn something, and if it fits to the curriculum, that makes kind of enhance your skills both to the company but also you as a person you learn it i can afford you i can afford it right like if you do it by yourself it's definitely quite expensive but i can kind of we can work it together and you can actually work with the organization you can use those skills in the organization as an extra value that you bring in and you as a person can enhance your skills and you can be that kind of an expert person i think having this kind of a two-way relationship I mean, that's the future I see. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think Yamini also brings up, you know, some important points about how the people that are in the workplace today, they are not a monolithic group in yeah. the sense that there are a couple of different age groups, right? What What do you think stood out in that mm -hmm. particular point? I think I think also like, like when we talk to people now, it's, it's very like clear that you have working with different age groups. You don't need to define Gen X, Millennials and Gen Z as the age, but it's more the ideas and mindset where each set of group people have certain priorities, right? For some people, it might be money. For some people, it's value and culture and passion, right? Like, um, so it's going to be an acceptable fact from today's standpoint that you cannot treat everyone at the same pace, right? Like money is not only the ulterior motive to anyone who is working in an organization, right? They need to be extra perks and there is extra value that you need to create. So because the way how the industry works, the way how the world works is you need that extra correlation, extra relation with your person. And you also need to do that kind of reciprocation, right? It's clear that your approach to Gen Z and million audience is way different from how a fundamentally your job description oriented, uh, our oriented jobs or the fundamental system is there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And one thing I really enjoyed about our discussion is the fact that we were able to get to a point where all three of us agree that when you do a passion project outside of work, it doesn't even have to be a moonlighting type of a job or you know even a permanent gig it can even be a small passion project on the side that gives you a lot of passion a lot of perspective and you know a lot of creativity that you can bring back to your regular nine to five job so if we can get to a point in this discussion at a broader level where having a side gig or being able to find your passion outside of work and broaden your horizon is not seen as a bad thing 
you know so if we can get to that point in this discussion in that point uh, in our culture the way work cultures are actualized it would be fabulous and my only concern at this point is we have these hard hitting questions hard hitting discussions during a time uh, like the pandemic where we're forced to deal with our mortality and all of that but my biggest fear at this point is when the pandemic is over are we going to revert to the old toxic style of workplace and are we going to wait for another pandemic or another global crisis for us to understand that you know quite quitting volume 2 was going to happen anyway and we had to change things long ago and prevent things from getting worse i know that's a very apocalyptic kind of a tone but i still feel that it's a valid worry uh, and not an irrational fear to have that we could very much go back to the old ways correct i mean like um like before wrapping up i just want to mention that it's good that we are having this discussions on 2022 because at a standpoint where we are at there are certain organizations and there are certain set of people who have a longer retention in a company right one oh. point is to we need to observe for a fact how these things are working right for example someone is working with a billion dollar company or a big company per se for like let's say 3 years 5 years and for a, let's say for a for a young startup they're working for one year right they can some like for example the young startup or the team the young team can actually look at how in certain organizations people are able to retain very well what is that something that these people are looking at have some kind of a satisfaction rate so that you kind of have some kind of metric to understand um also to the industry who are in the hr space it i think it's it's a right time to you to kind of look at what is working what are the best practices how someone is doing and what is effectively working and having correlation with all these terminologies and having their real life implications all these ideologies and creating white papers and having a full pledge research done out i think that's that's a more a uh, long term hygienic approach that we can do so that way at every end of year you have some new principles new ideas that you can actually implement in your company that are more um, goal oriented and effective oriented so with that we want to wrap this episode thank you so much for staying all the way till the end of this episode and we promise you we will bring back with a brilliant brilliant topic in the next one and we are available in all major podcast platforms and please do rate us on spotify and apple podcast it helps us kind of have more discoverability and if you like our thoughts or if you like to share something feedback good bad anything please do write us your opinion at howemployable@gmail we're going to be sharing both of our profile links as well as the email address so please do feel free to write us and see you in the next one ciao for now and if you also want to appear on our show as a guest we would love to have your thoughts we'd love to have your inputs we are not celebrities we're not looking for celebrities to join us because we cannot afford them ciao for now and <laughs> until two thursdays from now bye